Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Nicholas Sandy Davies. Sandy is the author of Blood on Our Hands, The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq, which I highly recommend reading, which has a preface by Nuremberg prosecutor Benjamin Ferenz. Sandy Davies also wrote the chapter on Obama at War in Grading the 44th President, and a chapter titled Crime by America, No Accountability, No Justice, no peace in a forthcoming book called Crime and Punishment in America. Davies writes regularly about U.S. aggression and war crimes for Consortium News, WarIsACrime.org, and other media outlets. He served as an issue team leader on war and peace issues for Progressive Democrats of America, and he drafted a appeal from the United States to the world, which has recently been put up at Roots Action. Org, and which asks foreign governments to come together and stand up for international law in the face of systemic U.S. aggression and war crimes. And this is a petition that people can go and put their name on at rootsaction.org. Sandy Davies, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Yeah, great, great to be on, David. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. It's great to have you back on. You are one of the a very, very small number of people who's been on this show twice, but we needed to have you back on, uh, and uh, I wonder if you can talk about and perhaps read to us so we all know what we're talking about, the the text of, of this petition. Okay, yeah, so it's fairly, uh, it's uh, designed to be concise, so uh, I'll just read the whole thing. Um, so, and this and this is this is an appeal from the U.S. to the world. This is for Americans to sign, and we will deliver this before the U.N. General Assembly this year to every foreign government. Um, and so, this is an appeal to those governments from the citizens of the United States, and this is what it says: Since the end of the Cold War, the United States of America has systematically violated the prohibition against the threat or use of force contained in the UN Charter and the Kellogg-Briand Pact. It has carved out a regime of impunity for its crimes based on its UN Security Council veto, non-recognition of international courts, and sophisticated information warfare that undermines the rule of law with political justification for otherwise illegal threats and uses of force. Former Nuremberg prosecutor Benjamin B. Ferenc has compared current U.S. policy to the illegal German preemptive first strike policy for which senior German officials were convicted of aggression at Nuremberg and sentenced to death by hanging. In 2002, the late U.S. Senator Edward Kennedy described post-September the 11th U.S. doctrine as, quote, a call for 21st century American imperialism that no other nation can or should accept. And yet, the U.S. government has succeeded in assembling alliances and ad hoc coalitions to support threats and attacks on a series of targeted countries, while other countries have stood by silently or vacillated in their efforts to uphold international law. In effect, the U.S. has pursued a successful 
diplomatic policy of divide and conquer to neutralize global opposition to wars that have killed about two million people and plunged country after country into intractable chaos. As representatives of civil society in the United States, the undersigned U.S. citizens and advocacy groups are sending this emergency appeal to our neighbors in our increasingly interconnected but threatened world. We ask you to stop providing military, diplomatic, or political support for U.S. threats or uses of force and to support new initiatives for multilateral cooperation and leadership not dominated by the United States to respond to aggression and settle international disputes peacefully as required by the UN Charter. We pledge to support and cooperate with international efforts to stand up to and stop our country's systematic aggression and other war crimes. We believe that a world united to uphold the UN Charter, the rule of international law, and our common humanity can and must enforce U.S. compliance with the rule of law to bring lasting peace to the world we all share. Very well said and very well written uh, and very badly needed, I think, uh, and, and a lot of other people think it looks like from who's signing the petition already. Uh, Sandy, you mentioned two million deaths. Uh, can you just talk for a minute about where those deaths have occurred, because I think uh, a, a lot of the, the failure of people in the United States to see the United States as a rogue criminal nation uh, is their absolute lack of that, uh, of that information, uh, complete uh, misinformation about what U.S. wars consist of. Yeah, well... Um, in 2007, the Associated Press conducted a survey of Americans to ask us how many Iraqis we believe uh, have been killed in the war that we unleashed on their country. And the, the, uh, the average uh, number from this poll um, was actually uh, 9,000, I think it's 9,850. So that's less than 10,000. And that's, that's really quite incredible. This is a war that our country was responsible for and that the most serious epidemiological studies have concluded probably killed by by now, some something in the order of a million people in Iraq, and and so and yet the the country primarily responsible for it, the, it in this country, uh, our citizens simply have no idea of the scale uh, of what we unleashed on those poor people in Iraq, and and that that is that is not just. Um, some sort of accident that is not just uh, a, a, a sort of um, you know some strange misperception. This is really by design. When when epidemiologists started going to Iraq in 2004 to actually really conduct serious 
scientific studies to determine how many people had been killed, they were, they were really vilified and attacked by our politicians and our news media, um, and their, their efforts were really dismissed. Now, these, these were teams of highly qualified people from Columbia University and Johns Hopkins University who had conducted similar studies in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, in Rwanda, and other wars around the world, and you know, they're, they're, the, neither their methods nor their results had ever been treated as dubious or controversial. And yet, when they did the same kind of study in a war that we were responsible for, uh, you know, the the powers that be in this country and in the UK uh, want you know, just absolutely ridiculed them. So, and and part of the result of that has been that since then, in Afghanistan, in Libya, in Somalia, in Yemen, uh, in Pakistan, in in all the, and now in in Syria and Iraq now, um, the, you, you know, there's been no similar serious study of how many people have been killed. And the media and our political leaders have gone back to simply reporting, um, you know, vast, vastly, vastly lower uh, figures. Even the United Nations simply, you know, tallies the numbers of deaths that just happen to be reported to them. And then that gets transmitted to the whole world as if those are serious estimates of of the total number of people killed. Um, so I wrote an article back in January um, for Consortium News. It was titled "Playing Games with War Death," and p- part of the documentation I used for that was a report uh, endorsed by Physicians for Social Responsibility called Body Count, Casualty Figures After 10 Years of the War on Terror. Now, they, this came out in 2015, and they focused only on Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. And they produced, uh, by, by very conservative methods, this is a, a 97-page report, and they came up with a total of 1.3 million just in those three countries. Um, they, they accepted, uh, as I said before, that the, the Lancet studies in 2004 and 2006 were the most, uh, most thorough and accurate studies of, of deaths in Iraq. Um, they had no such studies on which to base their figures for Afghanistan and Pakistan. And when, when, I, when I went through the part of their report on Afghanistan, which came up with a figure of 200,000. I I think that is really vastly underestimated. Um, You know, they're using figures that are, are, as I say, simply deaths that happen to have been reported um, to the news media or to the United Nations uh, office in Kabul, but most of you know this, this is this is a country that has been subjected to sixty thousand 
U.S. airstrikes over the past 14 years. And um, the, the figures produced by the U.N. in what is actually really the, the most heavily bombed country in recent history, the U.N. figures would have us believe that that has been a safer place to live for those 14 years than most Western cities. There, The U.N. figures give an average of less than six violent deaths per 100,000, which is less than Frankfurt, Germany, and uh, about uh, one-eighth of the numbers of, of deaths every year in Detroit. So... Um, you know, so, so so we've got a very conservative figure there of 1.3 just in, in those three countries, 1.3 million people killed. Um, a more realistic figure for Afghanistan would, would be about double that, 400,000. Uh, and, and so there you've already got one and a half million. And, you know, even the U.N. acknowledges probably 250,000, 300,000 killed in Syria. That, again, is probably, that's all from passive reporting, just deaths that happen to be reported. So the real figure there must be higher. The, the figures in Libya are probably, you know, 50,000 to 100,000. The figures from Yemen, I mean, and, and until the most recent Saudi-led campaign there. There really were no figures, and now we, get, we have UN figures that are just absurdly low. So, so that's really an unknown. Same goes for Somalia. You know, there's been no effort to, to, to count the dead there. So I think 2 million is, is, is a very reasonable estimate for the numbers of people who, who we have to remember have, have been killed in a in a whole pattern of wars for which our country, the United States, is responsible. Sandy, uh, Sandy Davis, a, a couple of quick questions before we get on to what, what should be done about it, which I want to try to squeeze into the show uh, before it ends. And that is, uh, if, you're, if you're looking at uh, under 10,000 Iraqis dying in, in U.S. imagination, uh, it, it looks like the number of U.S. dying. That is, there were actually under 10,000 U.S. dying in Iraq. And I think people picture soldiers competing on a field rather than bombs falling from the sky on houses when they, when they imagine these wars that they don't see. Uh, and, and it seems to me that if, if you look at the reality of actually killing a million people and many more than that injured and made homeless and traumatized and the whole uh, ground poisoned with toxins and radiation and so forth, you have a hard time distinguishing a so-called war from genocide. Uh, you know, it, it really looks like mass murder uh, rather than some sort of battle or competition. Um, so that's one question. Is it genocide? And a second question is, is it ongoing? What is the United States doing now in Iraq? Yeah, well, I have, I have called um, the U.S., um, just in my book, I called the U.S. destruction of the Iraq a genocide, um, especially against the, the Sunni Arab community, uh, of whom, you know, something like one in five were killed. Um, and um, it, it's been, um, you know, when we're talking about a million people killed, 
you know, we're we're in the same order of magnitude uh, to other mass killings in the past that that have been called genocide. I mean, um, you know, France and and Germany have have uh, called the Armenian genocide in the First World War a genocide. That's estimated to be about 1.5 million people, and and there's an ele- there's an element of deliberate targeting here when we talk about the Sunni Arab community of uh, of Iraq, and of course they're the ones who have now, um, to a great extent, accepted rule by the Islamic State over rule by. The Shiite government that was sending for ten years was sending death squads uh, to to kill them and torture them, and um, so in, in fact the the working title for my book when I was writing it uh, was from aggression to genocide, and uh, I wrote an article of that title for Z Magazine back in about two thousand and seven. And, um, yes, I, I believe our country is guilty of genocide. And is it ongoing now, Sandy? Well, it, it's, it's continuing, isn't it? I mean, and, and, and uh, this, this campaign of airstrikes that was begun in 2014 um, on Iraq and Syria, uh, they have so far dropped, dropped uh, 40,000 bombs and missiles on those two countries. Uh, you know, the, the shock and awe assault on Iraq in March and April of 2003 was only 29,000 bombs and missiles. So this has been even heavier. And the, the, the Pentagon acknowledges having destroyed 6,000 buildings. Um, and th- these buildings are, to, for the most part, part of the civilian infrastructure of these countries. These buildings are being destroyed because they are being used or suspect they are suspected of being used by, um, you know, by uh, fighters for Islamic State or Al-Qaeda. Um, but in many cases, the, these fighters are, are not easily distinguishable from the civilian population. And these are, for the most part, civilian buildings. And... Um, Certainly, and I wrote an article last month, or at the end of April, that um, in Mosul I heard from uh, Professor Suad al-Azawi in Baghdad. She was the lady who did the first studies of uh, the effects of depleted uranium and won international awards for, for her studies. She is from Mosul. She's getting reports from Mosul in the Iraqi media and from friends and relatives in Mosul of... Uh, uh, you know, just incidents every every few days in which civilians are being killed by U.S. airstrikes there. So you, people can read my article. It's titled "Hidden Costs of U.S. Air War" at Consortium News. So, um, so Sandy, what should foreign governments or anybody do at this point? We know what the U.S. government would do if another government did a tiny fraction of this sort of behavior. It would bomb somebody. Uh, we don't want Washington bombed, I assume. What do we want to see done? Well, I, I think what we, what we want to see done, what, this, what our appeal is asking people to do, asking foreign governments to do, is, is uh, A, to, to stop supporting the U.S. when it 
makes the case at the UN in the UN Security Council or um, to its uh, allies around the world for attacking an, uh, yet another country. Um, you know, the uh, many of these countries have have really been complicit. It was really only the U.S. and U.K. that actually invaded Iraq, but within months. Uh, the, the the UN set up shop there and more or less gave its blessing to a continuing occupation uh, that uh, that dozens of countries took part in. And um, you know the, the, the it, I, I do I really do not believe that if the US was faced with a choice of of acting alone uh, with with no blessing from the UN Security Council and without the support of all these allied countries, uh, it, it, would, it would certainly have to think twice about conducting these kind of operations. And, and none of these other countries, like the UK or France, uh, would, would, would undertake these kind of operations on their own. You know, they're willing to start bombing Libya or Syria uh, as partners with the U.S., but, but they're really not about to um, undertake these things on their own. It's the U.S. war machine that, that really, um, you know, provides the, the, the resources to do this. You know, the French sort of took the lead on the bombing of Libya, but then they ran out of bombs that would fit on their French-built planes. And so they had to turn it over to the U.S. and the U.K. and other countries that were flying U.S.-built planes and could carry U.S.-built bombs. And so, so even when the U.S. is not openly taking the lead in these, in these uh, assaults on other countries, uh, it is the indispensable, is even being called by some of our leaders, the indispensable nation. When it comes to committing aggression halfway around the world, it is the indispensable nation. Yeah, and, and the indefensible nation. If we can stop the U.S. from behaving like this, then, um, you know, we, we, the world will have a, a halfway decent chance at peace, at, at resolving uh, differences between countries peacefully as the UN Charter actually requires us to. But can we get can we get past uh, the point of just not signing on uh, to you know UN support for another crime? As really China and Russia after Libya were not going to sign on for another U.S. war in Syria. The U.S. goes ahead anyway. Can we get beyond that to taking uh, constructive, positive? action toward holding the United States accountable uh, through the United Nations, through the International Criminal Court, through boycotts, divestment, or sanctions, through any sort of international means of nonviolent law enforcement uh, against criminal activities. Uh, you know, do we need do we need individuals punished? Do we need a whole nation uh, punished? Or, or can we get truth and reconciliation somehow? Or, or is the... Yeah I, yeah, I think all that is important. I mean, what we're asking in the appeal 
is for new initiatives, for multilateral co cooperation and leadership, not dominated by the United States, to respond to aggression and to settle international disputes peacefully. And um, it, it, it is a matter of our friends around the world actually working together to reject the, the, the so-called leadership of the United States and to begin to build uh, alternative structures. We have an international court of justice which convicted the United States of aggression in 1986. But of course, the United States promptly said it would no longer recognize the jurisdiction of the international court of justice. And when Nicaragua went to the UN Security Council and asked the council to enforce the payment of reparations, which the court had called for, of course, the United, the United States vetoed the resolution. So that was the end of that. Likewise, the International Criminal Court that uh, was founded uh, in 1998 and which the U.S. still wants no part of, except selectively it will support efforts by the International Criminal Court to, to prosecute African leaders. Um, so, but as far as U.S. actually being subject to the jurisdiction of the court, the U.S. wants no part of it. And, and yet, um, there, there's, there's broad support among the American public. Seventy to eighty percent of Americans keep telling pollsters whenever they're asked that they would support the U.S. being subject to the jurisdiction of the International Criminal Court. So, um, so there, there are these these, these uh, avenues by which uh, we, we could enforce accountability, and which, but really, which we, the American people, and our 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 friends and neighbors around the world, if with enough unity and enough um, coming together an organization, um, you know, I think we certainly can hold the U.S. accountable. With about a minute and a half left, Sandy, we've seen some convictions in Argentina, a possible extradition of a CIA agent to Italy, the, the Chilcot inquiry proceeding in the United Kingdom. Are there, are there any signs of, of progress coming from anywhere? Well, what's happening in the UK is, is interesting. They have postponed publishing their reports for years now. This, I, I, I'm, it's been something like seven or eight years that this inquiry has uh, officially been going on. But in fact, it really wrapped up its inquiries five or six years ago and has just been sitting on the report, sort of, you know, trying to figure out how it can release this report uh, you, you know, be somewhat truthful and, and yet not make it absolutely clear that the, the leadership of the U.S. and U.K. governments committed the most horrendous war crime in invading Iraq. However, when the report comes out, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, has said he would support a war crimes prosecution of Tony Blair and other British leaders. The Scottish National Party, who are very popular in Britain these days, 
uh, since they support things like free college tuition and uh, the National Health Service. Uh, They support sending Tony Blair to the International Criminal Court. Well, we will have to hope that that example leads to the uh, chief criminals in that war uh, following in those footsteps. Sandy Davies, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio, and people can go and sign the appeal at rootsaction.org. Thanks, Sandy. Thank you, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.